It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. No matter what the standings say, the Cincinnati Bengals, after their last four games, it's safe to say not only are they back among the NFL's elite, like I said yesterday, but they are true contenders in this league this year. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On podcast network here on Locked On Bengals, where we have your takes like the Bengals are Super Bowl contenders. And much deeper analysis than that, of course. We're covering you five days a week. And if you're new to the show and you want everyday Bengals coverage, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcast. This episode brought to you by FanDuel. You'll get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If the Bengals win and you bet on them to cover the line, check it out at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And James, we're going to start today with a conversation about why, despite what the standings might say, the Bengals, the last wild card team in the AFC at five and three. The Bengals last because of tiebreakers in the AFC North. They've shown enough in the last four weeks. And we we alluded to this yesterday to be considered real contenders again, which is where we thought they'd be coming into this season. Sure, because a lot of these teams ahead of them have zero chance to win the Super Bowl. Right. And and that's that's the, the reality. I think that when you look at most of these teams and and in general, it's not just AFC, NFC, you could go as well. Like you look at the standings, are are you, you buying in, I don't, the jets, for example, who are on the outside looking in and haven't played on Monday night yet. You think they have a chance to win the super bowl? Like, no, they don't like, they're fine. Even though Mike Petralia might buy him. There are other teams. I don't think the Steelers have a shot to win the super bowl. You don't think Aaron Rodgers is coming back in December to lift the jets up? He may come back. He's not going to lift him up. Like it's more likely that he comes back and stinks than he comes back and is great. I don't think he comes back though. That's insane. But maybe he does. I don't want to rule Pretty it crazy out. Idea. Yeah. It, it, it is crazy. But like to me, it's Chiefs, Ravens, and then it's the Bengals. I like the Bengals better than the Dolphins, than the Steelers, than the Jags, than the Browns, and. I get it. They have the same record as Cleveland. Cleveland beat them head-to-head. The difference right now between the, the Ravens and the Bengals, to me, is that head-to-head matchup to a degree. That doesn't mean the Bengals won't finish, that won't finish ahead of the Ravens. It doesn't mean that they won't win the AFC North for a third consecutive year. I think all of those things are achievable. But right now, if I had to rank teams, it would be in that order. And here's the other part of this. Let's say they were going into the playoffs. And you look at the Ravens, and then you look at the Bengals. Well, the Bengals have won in the playoffs. They've gone on the road and won. They, they've been able to make it to back-to-back AFC championship games. So I think a lot of people 
would take them even over the Ravens, despite the Ravens playing well, even though I give the edge to the Ravens right now from a power ranking standpoint or however you want to look at it. And so I, I think the Bengals are right there. And the reason they're right there is because everything lines up. Joe Burrow, elite quarterback, eye test, numbers, 631 yards over the past couple of weeks, 77% completion percentage, five touchdowns. He's moving the ball. He said it on NBC after the game. He, he, he can run. He, he can run now. That's the big difference. And he's moving in the pocket. And uh, this offensive line has taken a step. We've talked about the defense. Like there's there's a lot of reasons to like the Bengals. And so, yes, seventh in the AFC. They are not the seventh best team in the AFC right now. They are not the yeah. fourth best team in the division either. But that's that's what the record says they are. So that's what they are. But that doesn't, if the playoffs started right now, I wouldn't rule them out as Super Bowl contenders just because they're the seventh seed, to your point. That, that's the problem with, the power rankings that are essentially glorified standings, like slightly adjusted standings for recency bias. You take a look at the last four weeks, this, this winning streak for the Bengals, when they've started to look more like themselves, when Joe Burrow started to be himself more on offense. Third in the NFL, in offensive success rate behind just San Francisco and Buffalo, 51% success rate. These are plays that add positive expected points for an offense and drop back success rate, their first in the NFL in that time frame by a pretty good margin ahead of San Francisco, ahead of Kansas City, ahead of Buffalo. So this offense and, and Joe Burrow, who's back on top of a lot of the advanced quarterback stat metrics in the last four weeks as well, with his increased health, with his ability to make plays off script, with his ability to extend plays and find T Higgins outside of structure a couple of times to make those little micro movements in the pocket to buy time to complete passes that he couldn't do earlier in the year. And his accuracy obviously improved with his mechanics being restored. That's the Bengals we expected on offense this year. And that's the Bengals that offensively can play with anybody in the league. Yeah. I think Baltimore's really good. I think Kansas city, is really good. And and honestly, like the trend with Kansas City is that they will figure it out on offense. Maybe they don't have enough pieces this year outside of Travis Kelsey to actually ever really figure it out on offense, but the defense certainly looks legit for Kansas City, one of the better defenses in the NFL this year. And and so I do think that those are the other teams in the AFC right now if you had to pick a couple. And there are a bunch of other teams that if you look at standings, you look at results so far, it looks like they might be better than the Bengals. But when you isolate to when Joe Burrow's been feeling better, when they've been able to open up the playbook a little bit more in the last couple of weeks, when they've played some of these really good teams in the last couple of weeks, despite the flaws and injuries that San Francisco and Buffalo might be dealing with, it's really easy to believe in the Bengals here going forward mm -hmm. to, to sustain the success even with the tough part of the schedule, because like you said, we've seen them do it. We've seen them have playoff success. We've seen them be good teams down the stretch. We've seen them be clutch. There are still some concerns about this team, and we'll talk about some of those. I think that the defense needs to be more consistent. They're very opportunistic right now. We talked about that yesterday. They're making the clutch play. If you add the clutch play with more consistent play on defense, then you have a really, really good defense in, in a complete defense. And so there's some work to do over there with the explosive plays and some of the tackling issues that come up from time to time. But all the pieces are there 
around this team. And we'll talk about some of the coaching decisions a little bit later in this episode as well uh, that, that have some room for improvement. But all the pieces are there for them to make that run again, like we've seen them do the last couple of years. And you noted this on our last show, or at least tweeted it. They're ahead of where they were last year. And the fact that they're they're five and three and not four and four, that that's nice. That that's a jump. And uh the I, I think there is a blessing. Yeah. Like a lot of people look at the schedule and, and say, Man, it's so tough. And we'll talk about the Texans. That's not a pushover team. What we saw what CJ Stroud's able to do, he's much better than a lot of even Ohio State fans expected. And so that's that's a tough matchup next week. And or this week, I guess, since it is Monday. But to me, there's a blessing in that and, and no breaks because you have to stay locked in. And you know, if, if you're not dialed in and locked in and focused on the Texans and you worry about the Ravens four days later, then guess what? The Texans might take it to you. And I, I think that's good in, in a way. And, and hopefully the Bengals can rest their, their, their soreness, so to speak, get healthy, handle business against the Texans because then if they are able to get it done, that Ravens game is going to be one of the biggest. It's going to be the biggest Thursday night game of the year. I, I think. I mean, it's huge. Best division, two best teams in the division, and uh, a huge, huge potential tiebreaker that the Bengals could at least get closer to even on with the Ravens if they could win. Yeah, it's a game that if you can, if you can win, obviously it's it's pretty massive, and you can't get ahead of yourself and start thinking about that game. No, that's what I was. I just did it. They can't do it. We can yeah, do it a little bit, but <laughs> the, the Texans, like you said, and we'll, we'll talk about that game a lot this week. I mean, that, that looks like a real football team. They're not the Cardinals. They're not the Panthers. <laughs> dang, dang. You know, that, that's a, that's a real dang. football team with some real weapons on offense. And they're, they're certainly flawed. The Bengals should be favored. They're favored by like seven points as of the time of recording, which Seems like a lot of points, but they're at home. They're really good at home. A couple big games. I mean, this is, it's going to be big games the rest of the way. You said something in, in the recent history on this podcast to the effect of you can't call every game a, a must win, but they certainly all feel very important. And, and that's what happens, I guess, when you start one and three. Coming up next, alluded to this in yesterday's show as well, the tight ends break out in a big way for the Bengals against the Buffalo Bills on primetime football. Let's revisit that trade deadline conversation a little bit as uh, they, they might have the answers there. We'll go there next. This episode of Locked On Bengals is sponsored by Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just you against the numbers Instead of thousands of other players, instead of pros and sharks, it's just you picking more or less on two to six player stat projections. And then you watch those winnings roll in when you get it right. Basketball season's here too. So if you need something that's not football, maybe you need a, a break from, from extra stakes on football. Maybe the Bengals are doing enough for you there. You can check out projections across both sports if you want to combine it as well you could go lebron james moore and travis kelsey on, on a combination of three pointers plus receptions at 10 and a half something like that maybe it's jamar chase and and Giannis. 
Daily fantasy sports made easy with prize picks. You'll get a first deposit match right now up to $100 at prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Again, that's promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by Streetside Brewery. Streetside is a must. If you're coming into town for Sunday's game against Houston, well, get to Streetside. Try any of their 24 taps, four pints to four ounces. So you can test a bunch of different beers and they have a great variety from their New England IPAs, fruited sours, lagers, so much more. Streetside has something for you and they have a tailgate before every home game. So Sunday, if you're coming in, you're excited to watch Joe Burrow versus CJ Stroud. Well, of course, go to Paycor Stadium. But before you do that, stop at Streetside. They're located at 4003 Eastern Avenue in the Columbia Tusculum neighborhood near Lunkin Airport. It's a quick drive downtown. So stop there. Enjoy it. Also, if you're in Cincinnati, Cincinnati locally, they have happy hour Monday through Friday, four to six. Check them out today. It's not the east side. It's not the west side. The best side is street side. Talked a lot about tight ends at the trade deadline, James. Talked a little bit about this last night. A day later, here we are on Monday. The Bengals didn't make a move at tight end. Didn't really expect them to. But we talked about it as a possibility, a clear need. Tanner Hudson comes up. I wanted them to. I wanted them to. So, yeah. And, And I would have welcomed it. But does that change at all after you get some significant contributions from at least three out of the four? We'll, we'll see Mitch Wilcox. I, I haven't checked the tape on him or anything, but three of the four making very obvious impacts in this football game. Yeah, I think that in, in 24 hours removed, I think all four tight ends are just going to be active moving forward. I, I know there's been some talk about Mitch Wilcox on social media. I think they value that he can do a little bit of everything including special teams and be valuable there. Tanner Hudson doesn't give you as much on special teams, but to me, he's the most natural pass catcher of the group. Irv Smith Jr. has flashed. If you just erase that fumble, and I know you can't do it, it's been a pretty decent two weeks for him. And and, and I think he was okay in, in uh, San Francisco. Again, if you erase the fumble, which you can't do, and I know that's not fair to do, but he was better this week. And, and obviously, Drew Sample, he's going to always be active because he's a primary blocking tight end, but showed he has a little juice as well. It was a really nice catch and run, make a miss and, and find a way to score. So I think it's it's going to be a quartet, but on offense specifically, you're going to see the trio and they'll rotate some. Drew Sample played the most snaps of the tight ends on, on Sunday night. I think that'll change. I think it'll be Hudson and, and Smith at, at times, especially who knows if they get down or they have to pass it a ton. I also think that we could still see, and this would be the argument for only going three tight ends active. We still could see that 10 personnel look, which we didn't really see a ton. I don't recall against the bills. We saw it some against the 49ers where they just don't have a tight end on the field, especially in the red zone. You give that spot to Andre Yosovash. You give that to Charlie Jones this week after he's activated and we'll see if he is. I expect him to be, but that, uh, that could certainly happen. Trenton Irwin would obviously fall into, in, into that as well. So We'll see, but I, I think, one, I would still go back and always add talent. I'm never going to say don't do that when you're a contending team, but do they have enough at tight end? I think they do. And in their defense, I thought that coming into the season, or in our defense, however you want to see it, and they just didn't get any production out of the tight end 
spot for the first eight games, seven games. Mm-hmm. And, and so that can change that that could come back to, to the, the law of averages where they have a couple good games and then some decent games. And it's enough to balance it out after a really underwhelming start to the season. So I will allow that possibility to happen, especially because one, it sounds like Smith responded well to, to Tanner Hudson signing with the team. And obviously he had his first touchdown and then Hudson is just, I think he's good as a pass catcher. I do. I think he's a, a solid pass catcher, and that's really all you need. You don't need to be special. You just need to be a solid tight end that can make plays when Joe Burrow calls on you. Just needs to be solid. The The run-pass split for Tanner Hudson is staggering. They have a very clear role in mind for him, especially sure. with these other tight ends up. He has 65 snaps as a receiver this year. He has 10 snaps. As a run blocker, that's over three games. And, and he certainly played a lot less uh, against the Bills than he did in previous games this year. But he's playing early, which I thought was interesting. You mentioned 10 personnel a little bit, and I, I was checking on that since you mentioned it. I think they did still do some of it. I noticed it a little bit in the game. And just looking at the snap counts, the total amount of snaps for tight ends don't quite add up to all the, the passing plays they ran. So I think that there were at least a few plays where the, the Bengals went 10 personnel, but also they, they had Jamar Chase and T Higgins off the field at times in that game. Jamar Chase only missed one passing play in the entire game. Which T. is Higgins wild because three. he was battling battling that back. Yeah. And he still just stayed out there. Tough yeah. dude. He, he did play through it. But when you have those three guys, you have very clear roles, I think, for all of them at this point. You got Drew Sample and Irv Smith that you can kind of have on the field for, for a lot of things, but the way they're using Irv Smith and the way they're using Tanner Hudson, at least against the Bills, is very, very pass-heavy. Irv Smith, 23 passing snaps, two run-blocking snaps, very similar, 13-3 and three for Hudson. Drew Sample's out there to block primarily, to be a check-down option. They did run a screen for him. We talked about that play a little bit last night. That's a, a tendency breaker. For sure, with Drew Sample out there, you're trying to trying to catch a team off guard a little bit, but some very clear roles for those guys. Would you like a little bit more? Sure. But if, if they can use these guys in these roles the way that they use them against the Bills, and, and probably to a lesser extent going forward, right? You probably expect the production to skew a little bit heavier to the wide receivers and the tight ends in most games that's probably enough for this offense. And that's what we're talking about, like you said, in the preseason when we're saying, oh yeah, they probably have enough at tight end because we weren't envisioning a big role for tight ends because because of the guys they brought in, because of where they've allocated resources on the offense. If they have a guy like Dalton Kincaid, that changes. Mm-hmm. They didn't get a guy like Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporta or whoever you wanted in this draft. And so we're he was probably going to need- I know he fumbled. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's got Sunday. Um, (laughs) We're probably going to be talking about tight end again in the offseason after this year. Thousand percent. Not probably, actually. Yeah, hundred percent because there's like no tight ends on the roster after this year. So it's going to be a talking point. Literally, there's there's none, right? Yeah. Maybe Hudson. No, probably not. I would. You would have to look. I I think they're all. Unless Wilcox got two years, I don't think he did. No, no, I don't think he did. Heck no. Oh, so. Definitely going to be a talking point again, but it seems like you can you can survive with this group 
the way things are going now with the roles they've kind of carved out for each of them. No doubt. No doubt. I, I think it, it fits. All of these guys together can make one solid unit. And I, I'm much more hopeful today that that can come together than I was, say, a week or two ago. And a, part of that has to do with finally giving Tanner Hudson yeah. more opportunities, which yes. probably should have started at the beginning of the season. But they do deserve yeah. credit for that happening, and we'll see if it can continue. But let's get into some of the, the decision-making, Jake, because I know a lot of people uh, are interested in the fourth down calls. You kick the 55-yarder, then you punt on the 60-yarder. The you don't go for it on fourth and two. You go for it on fourth and five. So let's talk about some of Zach Taylor's decisions coming up next. You say solid at tight ends. I say that's a generous word. Maybe it's passable. Today's episode of Locked On Bengals sponsored by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We have that special offer we talked about. New customers will get $150 in bonus bets with FanDuel right now with any winning $5 money line bet. If you like the Bengals to cover against the Bills, and they did, that's $150 in bonus bets from FanDuel. $150 if you bet the money line and the Bengals win the game. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on the action. And if you're not a money line better, maybe you're interested in other things. They've also got player props, over-unders, besides just win totals, and way more. So check it out at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off your NFL season if you haven't yet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Today's show is also brought to you by Pierce Dental Group. Pierce Dental Group has two locations, one in downtown Cincinnati, the other in northern Kentucky. So if you're listening to this episode and you live in the area, you got to get to Pierce. They're creating confident smiles and whether it's cosmetics, dental implants, Invisalign, or just routine care, they've been taking care of customers in the Cincinnati area since 1942 and they want to take care of you. They're the highest rated dentist in the area with over 1,300 five-star reviews on Google. And they're an official member of the Professional Football Dental Association. Go where the pros go. From Joe Burrow to T. Higgins and many others, Chidobe Awuzie, Pierce Dental Group is going to be perfect for you. You can visit them online at piercedentalgroup.com. That's P-E-A-R-C-E dentalgroup.com. Or search Pierce Dental Group on Instagram or Facebook. Decisions, decisions, decisions. If it's not play calling, it's fourth down decisions. And and I think this has been an area of criticism for Zach Taylor and, and this coaching staff this year. And, and I think that some of it is fair. There were certainly some big decisions under the microscope in this game against the Buffalo Bills. And you can talk about, like you said, the the fourth and two decision to punt, the decision to send Evan McPherson out there for a 55-yard field goal, then punt when it became a 60-yard field goal. I, I would even highlight the decision to hand the ball to Joe Mixon on third and three with the game on the line. That works out, but requires Joe Mixon to make an unblocked guy miss and bounce it outside make a big play and, and credit to Joe Mixon for making the play. Sometimes you just need your players to, to make plays for you. But if they don't get that run, are we talking about taking the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands in a place where last year, Zach Taylor became much more confident letting Joe Burrow make that play. Mm -hmm. 
So you can talk about a number of decisions in this game as, as an area where even Zach Taylor after the game said, you know, we're probably going to have to look at some of these again. And he was talking about one in particular in his post-game press conference. Be curious to know what that conversation went like for Taylor and the Bengals, but continues to be an area under the microscope for this team. Yeah, and I, I think they're working their way through it. Look, it it changed, and they weren't their normal selves when Burrow was hurt, and, and the, the, the confidence level just wasn't there. They were extremely conservative, mm-hmm. like to a, a crazy amount. And and I, I think it's coming back some. I, I was surprised at the fourth and two. It felt mm-hmm. like that was one, it was what, their third possession of the game? And you'd move the ball up and down the field. You kind of give the Bills a gift because if you go for it there, the Bills are holding their breath and hoping for a stop. But you probably get it. <laughs> you probably do, and, and you, you're able to extend the drive and keep it rolling. Uh, he, he didn't go for it there. I'll be honest, I would have probably kicked the 60-yarder for Evan because he was kicking the ball really well in warm-ups and obviously drilled the 55-yarder. But It was that close, was- the 55-yarder. It snuck inside the right upright. Hey, he made it. He made it. The, the yeah. I mean, it's fifty-five is fifty. Yeah, no, he made it. I'm just saying, like, if you're if you're talking about margins, fifty-five to sixty. Sure, and 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 I think so. That does stink. That I, I don't blame him a ton though for that decision. And here's why: when you have the ball second and one at the twenty-three yard line of your opponent. You should get points. Mm-hmm. And they just, it was a, a cluster there. And I, I get it. It was the official official show. And th- there's plenty to discuss uh, if, if we wanted to there. And, and it might not be all of the, the Bengals' fault. But it still, it happened. And and so that's that's a miss. On fourth and five, I would have kicked. I would have kicked. I, I said it in the moment. They didn't, it didn't work out. That's fine. So, I think there is a balance. My balance, my gut was always leaning the opposite of what they did yesterday. Doesn't mean it's always right. Um, I think it, the, the analytics did say go for it on fourth and two. I think they said go for it on fourth and five. I'm pretty sure. So I, I would have been I would have been flipped from what the Bengals did. But I'm not hell-bent on it so much to where I'm like, oh, my goodness. And part of it's because they won, probably. And, and it... Uh, mm-hmm. At, at the same time, those decisions, you want them to be, to get them right. And I'm glad that they're evaluating them because I, I think that they could probably look back, especially at the fourth and two, and just be like, look, we should probably go for this. They were fourth and two at the plus 48 yard line, I believe. Mm-hmm. And... They, they like you said they're they're moving the ball on that drive. It's a chance to put a nail in. Only one nail. You're not shutting the coffin yet. It's not it's not coffin nails, but you're going. You're talking twenty one seven. Pretty early in in the second quarter. The the interestingly the um, computer models saw it as relatively close, closer than I I thought it would have been, but but a clear decision where going for it was something that they would have done. The computer models, though, generally this year have mostly disagreed with Zach Taylor. They did go for it on a, what, fourth and one, and and they got one. They converted one fourth down in this game. They didn't go for another. They didn't convert one. 
And, and the one that they did go for, to, to your point, James, is a much closer go, no go mm-hmm. decision. Sure. You're in plus uh, territory, yep. but it's five yards, which is a lot yes. different than two or two, one, two or three yards. Way different. And, and you end up checking it down and you get, I think, three yards on the play. And, and if you check it down, according to the official box score, two yards. But if you check it down and it's fourth and two and you get two yards, that's a lot different than then fourth and five, and you have to check it down. So um, decision-making in these situations, I, I think, has just been inconsistent, to, to use a term that the Bengals coaching staff often uses. And I understood it earlier in the year, for sure. I do think it's improving. I think that there were some difficult decisions against the Bills. But you would like to see this continue to improve and continue to get more consistent over the course of the season. And when you've got Joe Burrow and you've got an offense, especially when it's working, I think that we would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive more often than not as well. So those things can get better. Like, like you said, it's good that they're thinking about them again. What did you think about the decision to hand it off to Joe Mixon? on that final non-kneel down of the game? Well, it's risky, one, and and this isn't all Joe's fault. They're running some stretch stuff, which has been, at best, mixed reviews. But you're averaging less than three yards a carry, right? And so it was risky. I it, It's risky. I, I will say this. They brought Joe Mixon back, and Von Miller clearly isn't Von Miller. Mm-hmm. He has to win those. Like Joe, in one-on-one situations, should be able to win those. Otherwise, why, like that's why they brought you back, right? It's it's not like you're asking Chase Brown to do it, or you're asking one of these other, you know, Chris Evans to do it, or Travion Williams. You're asking your guy to do it. So I, I think that is a reasonable ask, even though he hasn't done that regularly this season and and break tackles and, and make a guy miss all of those things. So it's a heck of a play. I hope he can build off of that. And and that's also why we talked about running back so much before the deadline is because it would be nice to have another option. So Mixon isn't the guy that's just carrying the weight of everything all the time in that backfield. And Travion got three carries, which is, I think, a season high without looking. Um, but it, it would still be nice. That said, it was a heck of a run by Mixon. I'm always of the belief you put it in Burrow's hands. But I get it. And and I do expect Mixon to make plays like that where he's able to to get enough in one-on-one situations against a defensive end, especially someone who is past his prime like Von Miller. I mean, that's a heck of a play to get there in the first place. That's going away from the intended target of the run. If he just tries to put his head down and, and follow where that run is aimed, uh, he's not getting there. So it is a heck of a play, no doubt about that. But But I agree with you in terms of keeping in nine's hands, something that They've done quite a bit. And and I love the aggression to start the drive. Taylor's explanation for this, by the way, was he felt like they were in field goal range. They were at the 36-yard line at that point. So if Mixon goes for no gain, what is that? That's 46 and and what is it, seven? So about a 53, 54-yard field goal. Mm -hmm. They clearly felt comfortable with Evan McPherson kicking from that distance. So in his mind, it's, okay, we'll kick to ice the game. That speaks to his confidence and Evan McPherson, on the other side of that coin, I, I don't like playing for 54-yard field goals. And if you miss it, you're giving the Bills the ball at the midfield and they need a touchdown to win the game. 
And it's the clock part. And I think that's why you also run it is, is because the bills are running. So if, if the plan is to kick a field goal, the game's just over, right? If they make it, but if they miss it, you're kicking the field goal with a minute 20 left. And if you miss it, the, the clock is really not a huge factor with the bills getting the ball pretty close to midfield. Sure. But in, in their head, yeah, I get it. You get the first down, it's done. But th- that's probably it. Because if you throw an incomplete and then you kick the field goal, cl- clearly he was kicking the field goal. Mm-hmm. And, and that was it. And so yeah. if you're if you know you're kicking the field goal, I think you run it. It's a good job by uh, by Mixon, though, uh, yes. t- to get downhill. Because if you get tackled for a two-yard loss on a stretch like that, Bro, like that's nightmares. That nightmare feel. It's like a sack, right? It's it's not good. And, and that's a risk. It is. I mean, no a sack doubt. is a risk of passing the ball, I guess, too. But you, you trust your brother not to take a sack there. I Correct. Think. Yeah, I think so too. I it's uh it, it was a heck of a play, but I, I agree it was risky. Great play by Mixon. He deserves credit, especially after what was a, a tough night overall for him. Yeah, it started well, finished well. And uh for this team. I mean, that's kind of microcosm of this team right now, right? Start well, finish well, win games. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of signs in the middle that they're continuing to build toward that fully complete game. And and I'm excited to see that whenever they put it together, because that'll be, that'll be a spectacle. Could really use it. Could really use another step in the right direction on Sunday. And then, like I said, I'm not on the team, so I can look ahead. Yeah. That, uh, that, That Thursday nighter could really use it then. Keep building, as Joe Burrow says. Keep getting better. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hoping to have some film to break down for you here in the near future before we shift our attention forward to the incredible performance, really, from C.J. Stroud and the Texans' big offensive showcase and a team that's better than we thought they would be at the start of the season coming to Cincinnati next week. Until then... Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hooday, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.